He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Asian Cinema Fusion. I am your host, Paul Martinez, and we are here talking, well, of course, Asian films. Uh, we have five films we're going to review uh, today that I've actually seen a bit of while. I've seen these a bit ago, uh, just hadn't gotten to show up. Uh, we're going to have our shows, uh, the next two shows are going to come pretty quickly because we're a month away from the New York Asian Film Festival. So uh, I have a couple of shows ready to go. Uh, so I'm going to record those two, get them up fairly soon. Uh, the second one will be up maybe a week after this one is. And then we'll get ourselves prepared for uh, the New York Asian Film Festival. I'm planning to break my record of 25 films that uh, I witnessed at the film festival. I'm planning to break that this year, which will give us lots of content for this show. But after this show, let's start it out right away with uh, the first film that we're going to talk about today is Bleach, 2018, out of Japan, directed by Shinsuke Sato. Uh, he uh, was the director of The Prince's Blade, Gantz, uh, Inu Yashiki, which is a film uh, we uh, reviewed here um, last summer. It's starring Sota Fukushi, who plays Ichigo Kurosaki, he was in the Cayman Rider Fours. He was in the Places Witch, which we will be reviewing on here very soon. Also starring Hana Sugasaki, who plays Rukia Kushiki. Uh, she was in Blade of the Immortal, a film that we reviewed here, I believe, last show. And Irina Mano, who plays Ororimi Inoi. Uh, she was in a film called Singer, which honestly I'm not familiar with, but she is w much better known for her roles in the Cayman Rider films. And our tagline for this film is, he never asked for it, but now he must learn to wield it or die. So, a teenager comes across an injured supernatural warrior and has, and has her power transferred to him to save his family. So, let's get this out of the way first. It's derived from a manga, <laughs> as almost every Japanese film these days are. Now, the story reminds me a lot of the origin of the DC Comics character Green Lantern, which is one of my all-time favorite DC heroes, despite that horrendous Ryan Reynolds film, but I digress. The story is of an unsuspecting young person bestowed of powers and abilities as old as time. There's very little to make new about this, but somehow it was just enough different to really make this an enjoyable watch. So, you know, Sota Fukushi uh, is full of charisma in the lead, and his interactions with his co-stars also showed a lot of chemistry. 
so I, I really enjoyed him a lot in this film. I, uh, not a guy that I knew really coming into this, but an actor who I want to see a lot more of now. Uh, you know, I also really liked the performance from Ms. Sugasaki, who plays the former Soul Reaper, who must now play the role of teacher for our hero. You know, at first I thought her character would be that standard role we've seen in films like Arahan and others. But she brought a lot more to this role, and it was noticed and appreciated. Um, definitely her character showed a lot more depth than I originally thought I would see in her. There was a lot of inside jokes and odes to the manga that many in the audience, uh, when I saw this, reacted to. Unfortunately, this was wasted on me because I've never read or watched you know, the prior stories. Still, to see the longtime fans of this story react in such a positive manner scored a lot of points with me. You know, and the story, as I said, is, is kind of done before. You know, Poichigo just wants to do the right thing, but everyone hates him, even his fellow Soul Reapers, because, you know, they look at him as someone who didn't earn his stripes, so to speak, but kind of was just given them. You know, that, that causes for a lot of strife in him. And it made me feel for his character also. Again, this was a film, you know, in a lot of ways, I talked earlier about the DC Comics character Green Lantern. I also found a little bit of like Peter Parker Spider-Man in him. You know, like he really is a good kid. He really wants to do the right thing. He believes in honor and doing responsibility and all that. And he gets no credit. It seems like the whole world's against him. And I, I just, a lot of this has reminded me a lot of just a lot of comics that I've read as as a kid. And uh, I got to give credit to the director for really making this, you know, that type of film where it just wasn't like, oh, here's this guy. He's got great powers and this gigantic sword, and you know he's gonna just kill monsters and you know and be so cool about it. It, this movie's more than that. It was a lot more than that, and I really like that about this film. I know many people, when this first was coming out, would wonder how would this very popular manga transfer to live action? You know, with such logistics as the incredibly large sword to the monsters and everything in between. But to me, um, he really pulled it off. And you have to wonder if there were any other directors besides Mr. Sato that could have done such a smooth job with this. Because uh, as I talked about with Inu Yashiki, um, I, he blew me away with uh, his direct you know, work in that film as well. So he's a very, very fine director and somebody that really you should follow. If you, if you don't follow his films yet, Princess Blade, another great film, by the way, definitely you should look him up. Um, this is one of the top directors in Japan right now. As for the action, the action was great. I mean, there's a lot of fights. Um, yeah, there's a lot of CGI, but that's to be expected. But I thought the action was good. Um, I thought there was a, a lot of com comedy to go along with the great fighting. Um, I just really found this an enjoyable film. And, you know, I don't think you need to be familiar with prior canon, as I wasn't, and I had a great time viewing this. And this is currently available on Netflix. Um, as well as Cody for my cord-cutting brothers. So check this out. I gave this a strong 7.5 out of 10. Our next film, Forgotten, 2017 on South Korea. Directed by Jang Hengjun, 
The only film I know of him to his credit was a film called Breakout, which I heard of but never seen. It's starring Kang Hanul, who plays Jin Sok. He was in New Trial. The Empire of Lust was the film that we're going to review here at some point. A film called 20. Also starring Kim Myo-yol, who plays Yu Sok. He was in uh, Elang the Wolf Brigade, which is another film which I have not seen yet, but really want to. War of the Arrows, which we'll probably review here at some point. And our tagline for this, it's all relative. So what's this about? A young man moves into a new home with his family. But when his brother is taken and mysteriously returns with no memory of what happened, he wonders just what is real. So, I caught this on Netflix, and you can too. Uh, wasn't familiar with the director or cast, but I gave it a try. Korean, Korean thrillers, as you know, if you're a fan of the show, and why wouldn't you be, are my favorite genre. Um, but over the last couple of years, we've seen a decline in the product. While not bad, it's hard to follow up with some of the absolute classics that we've had, like Confessions of Murder, The Unjust, Chaser, and others. So, what we have here is another try-to-outsmart-the-viewer type of film. And they do a decent job. It's a story that really does keep you guessing. And that is the film's strong point. But, then it does have some flaws. Um, I thought the acting was, honestly, mediocre at best. Our lead is okay at times, but there were instances where I just wasn't invested in his character. Now, that also partially falls in the director. I just found a disconnect with them. Nothing bad, and as I said, the mystery is well told. Lots of red herrings here to really keep you off balance. And the review was okay. I didn't get the shock value I think they wanted. But the story in itself is a very somber one. And that may play a part in that. It, it's a very somber... Once you get into the story and, and start to learn things, it, it's quite sad. Um, I think this was a case of a good story and layout that may have needed more seasoned talent to pull it off to a more satisfying event. And I, I, I feel bad saying that, but I have to call it like I see it. Like I said, these are fairly new actors, a fairly new director, and I think a better cast and a maybe more seasoned director could have got more out of this. But, like I said, if you like mysteries and thrillers like I do... This is one of the better ones I've seen in recent years. Plus, I want to support Asian cinema being shown on Netflix so that we may see more of it in the future. So, uh, for that reason, I say give it a chance. Like I said, the more Asian stuff we watch on our Netflix, the more they'll put up there. I've noticed over the last year or so, they've probably doubled in the amount of Asian stuff that's on there. And so, let's keep it going. Let's keep supporting it. And keep getting great stuff on there. And as for a rating, I give it a 6 out of 10. Okay. Our next film. This is uh, from the On the Pile selection. Which is basically a film which I meant have meant to see. And kind of kept putting it off for whatever reason. And finally decided to get around to watching it. And this one is called Reset. Written and directed by Chang, who directed The Target. He directed uh, Death Bell. Uh, it's starring Yang Mi, who plays Jia Tian, who was in Wu Dang. She was in the Tiny Time series. And she played Beggar So's daughter 
and King of Beggars, which we reviewed on this show. Also starring Wallace Hill, who plays Chui Hu. Uh, he's from a film, Inside or Outside, which is <laughs> another film on my pile of stuff to one day watch. And Chin Shi Che, who plays the research director. Uh, he was in The Grandmaster. Um, more notably, he was in Soul, which we uh, reviewed on here. And my tagline for this film is, she's a sore loser. So, when a researcher for time travel has her son murdered, she uses her own untested technology to try to save him. Now, this film was produced by Jackie Chan, and the production values are as top-notch as any American film. This is really China's foray into the big-budget sci-fi genre. And while not perfect, this was a fine attempt. Uh, my interest of time travel stories notwithstanding, this was for me a fun ride. Now, at first, uh, I was not impressed with Yang Li's performance. But as the story moves forward, she really struts her stuff. While Hottest World was much less impressive, just, just never bought into him at all. Uh, a little too over the top for me. And I know some people really like that in their antagonists, but for me, it just, I, I just wasn't buying him. The story and Yang Mi make up for it, though. Uh, now, as I said, I'm not a fan of time travel sagas. My reasoning part of my brain questions too much of it. Uh, I decided recently while watching the German Netflix series, Dark. By the way, catch that when you can. It's not Asian, it's German. Uh, but it's really good for my Netflixers who's looking for something to binge. Dark. Uh, season 2 is coming out, I believe, in a month or so. Very, very, probably the, one of the best time travel stories I've seen. Um, and as I was saying, I decided to no longer try to make these scenarios logical and just take them at face value. And that helped here a lot. The action is great. Uh, the production top-notch, as I said. But where this hurts... It's not having the complex, interesting antagonist, which is my problem with Wallace Wall. As I said, this never really connected with him and never took him serious. Um, still, here the catch is that our heroine, Miss Tian, can only go back in time 110 minutes. And it's actually a parallel universe. So, her past selves are there as well. This makes for some nice twists in the film and really plays it to an interesting end of the film. Now, I did notice, I, I did look up, I usually don't, but I did. Um, and the film was not getting good reviews. And while it's not Oscar-worthy, I found this to be an enjoyable divergent for about an hour and 45 minutes. Um, I actually thought that, and this is coming from me, who, I've <laughs> who I always feel I'm a little critical. I thought the reviews were a little too critical of this film. And I definitely look forward to seeing what other films Jackie's production company greenlights. Because this, definitely, you can see the influence of him, even though he wasn't a director, just a producer. The, definitely a big budget. Uh, lots of uh, science fiction-y stuff, you know, like computers and graphics and CGI's and stuff like that. Um, definitely, you saw there was a lot of money put into this film. And uh, there's some good action. I thought, this, I thought it was a pretty good story for time travel stories. A lot of good action, a lot of good twists and turns in this. And this really could be uh, a new age in China cinema. And I, for one, am excited for it. I really am excited for 
the you know Asian films, especially China, to I mean they've always, in my opinion, been on par with Hollywood and in some ways better in storytelling. But they were never there in production and big budget and stuff like that. That's you know, that wasn't where they 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 put their best foot forward, so to speak. And this film is a little different. It's definitely uh, Hollywood-esque, but in a good way. And I think uh, this is a nice beginning. Uh, if this is going to be where China's going to go with a little bit more uh, big-budget films, and of course, as you know, I'm sure you guys have heard of, there's a film which we will be reviewing uh, soon, The Wandering Earth, uh, which is a space film out of China, which is another big-budget film. And I'm, I'm getting very excited to see uh, this new age of Chinese cinema, as I said, and uh, where it's going to go. Uh, as for Reset, um, like I said, this wasn't a bad film. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10, and it's definitely something you, you should check out if you can. All right, time for our old school selection, and it is uh, Swordsman of Swordsmen, 1968, out of Taiwan, directed by Joseph Cole. Uh, who directed uh, The 18 Bronze Men, Part 1 and 2, Born Invincible, which I believe we reviewed on here, Seven Grand Masters, which we possibly reviewed on here. Really one of the bigger uh, directors in the 60s and 70s out of China. It's starring Tian Peng, who plays Kai Yingji. Uh, he was in Flying Swallow. He was in Touch of Zen. Pali Shang Kwan, who plays the Flying Swallow. She was in Shaolin Kids. She was in the two 18 Bronzeman films. She was in A Girl Called Tigress. Polly Shang, uh, a big name. Cheng Nan, who plays Black Tiger. Uh, Cheng Nan, a guy I always felt uh, a little um, undervalued in uh, the old uh, Kung Fu films. He was in Triangular Duel. He was in The Death Duel, which is pretty good. And uh, Chao Chen, who plays Yun Chong Chun, uh, probably best known for Dragon Inn. And my our tagline for this film is, How do you banish gratitude with vengeance? Now, what's this about? A young boy witnesses parents murdered. Now, 18 years later, he has come for revenge against the evildoers. So, as I said, this was a Joseph Cole film that I was not aware of. Um, and I have enjoyed some of his other films, like Seven Grandmasters, the, the Mystery of Chess Boxing, very good film. Uh, so when I saw this showing at the first annual New York Asian Film Festival Winter Edition, this was the film I targeted to see. Uh, and what we have is an okay film by the standards of when it was made in the late 60s. Watching it today, it did come off a bit formulaic and dated, but that's to be expected. The action is fair, honestly. To be called Swordsman of All Swordsmen, I expected a little better swordplay. But the other elements of the wuxia genre are here. Honor, betrayal, strife. And here, the story really works. Chen Peng, while not the best martial artist in my opinion, was decent as an actor. Uh, Polly, who here was very young, and uh, some of her scenes were pretty bad. But you saw the potential that we come to see, you know, coming to fruition in later years. Uh, there is an underlying plot line going on where another swordsman is waiting for Champagne to finish his quest for vengeance so that he may challenge him. And I expected some twists to come from this, but it never materialized. Actually, it came off a bit anticlimactic at the end as well. 
And I know it sounds like maybe I'm bashing this, but I'm really not. Um, I was just hoping for a little bit more. You know, um, if you're a Joseph Cole fan and haven't seen this yet, you should give it a look. I am a Joseph Cole fan, and that's why maybe I expect a little more. But this is one of his lesser-known films, and probably with good reason. But like I said, if you're a fan of his, give it a look. Um, I give the film a 5 out of 10. Despite that, like I said, if you're a fan of Joseph Cole and, or Polly, uh, you know, Polly Shenquan, and you want to see her uh, young before she really grew into the star she became, it's a nice watch. By the way, the main two characters revived their roles in a very rare film named The Ghost Hill. Um, which I don't have, unfortunately, but um, I have the film I'm trying to get a hold of. Okay, and it's time for our wild card. Um, it's usually uh, a film that um, I am a big fan of. I try to make it films that maybe people, the average Asian cinema viewer may not have heard of. And uh, today's selection is Last Hurrah for Chivalry, Hong Kong. 1978, directed by the great John Woo, uh, who, of course, I mean, if you know who John Woo is, uh, I, I need 30 minutes just to sit there and talk to him about who John Woo is. But you will definitely know of his films, uh, The Killer, Hard Boiled, A Better Tomorrow, uh, Red Cliff, the American film Hard Target with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, but, uh, Mission Impossible Part 2, which despite what everybody else says, will always be my favorite Mission Impossible. So, yeah, John Woo, the, just really, um, definitely, probably, uh, it's probably outside of Quentin Tarantino, probably my favorite director of all time. That's amazing. And uh, it's starring Damien Lau, who plays Green. Uh, Damien Lau was in, uh, probably most notably, The New Legend of Shaolin, uh, Royal Tramp, uh, he was in uh, Duel to the Death. Duel to the Death, very good film. And Lifeline, uh, which is a film that we will review at some point on the show. Also starring Wai Pak, who plays Chang Sun. Now, Wai Pak was one of the Venoms. He was a uh, snake. And he probably was in the least amount of the quote-unquote Venoms films. But uh, he did play number two, the sna- uh Yes, number two, The Snake and Five Deadly Venoms. He was also in Invincible Shaolin with the Venoms and Kit with the Golden Arm, uh, which is another great film. And it's also starring Lao Kong, who plays Cao Pong. <laughs> uh, and uh, he was from semi, uh, Demigods and Semi-Devils, which I saw many years ago. I'd like to see that again sometime. Royal Tramp and City on Fire. So the tagline for this is, Honor is dead. So, two master swordsmen are coursed into helping a rich merchant in his quest for revenge. Now, that really is dumbing this down. Last Hurrah is one of the most underrated kung fu films of its time, as well as one of John Woo's most underrated achievements. This is really the birth of the famous Wu style using elements of brotherhood and honor, even among men who are anything but heroes. It also boasts one of the more complex stories of the swordsplay genre era. Damien Lau turns in one of his finest, uh, finest performances here 
as the wine-loving scoundrel for hire. When, when the story begins, his only loyalties are to money and drinking. Even the prostitute who is in love with him provides no comfort for him. Yet, he somehow forms a bond with Chang. Another sword for hire who has tried to go a different way. Now, there are a lot of good performances here, including Lao Kong, who starts off as a very sympathetic character, but becomes less so as the film progresses. Uh, but there was so much that makes it stand out from other films of the time period. Uh, one glaring one was the use of a soundtrack. This was not the usual tired stuff we get in the Shaw Brothers stuff. This was real music and haunting melodies that really gave this film a unique feel to it. Mr. Wu also mixed in some comedy, which mm, at times might have felt a little misplaced, but it all adds to the fact that this is a different type of film. Uh, the fighting sequences were mostly very good. Uh, White Pac is much better at boxing than swordplay, and it shows at times. Lao Kong was not the best martial artist, but uh, Li Hoi Sang, who was also in this, and Damien Lau impressed throughout. Also, a nod to Hong Kong veteran Fong Hakon, who was part of a side story of a swordsman looking for fame by defeating the famous fighter Chang. Um, I thought he did a great job, even though I kept thinking there was. Maybe because it was Fong Hak on, I thought that he was going to have a bigger role than he did. But still, his presence was uh, a bonus to the film. Now, there are a lot of twists and turns. And you wonder at certain times just who can be trusted, if anyone at all. Uh, this film is a true pleasure for any John Woo fanboy, as you will see some of his standard plot devices and techniques here, that become more prevalent in his work uh, years later. Especially the final scene, which should remind you of another famous final scene of his. Don't want to give it away, though. So, Last of for Chivalry is really one of the most innovative kung fu flicks of its time. And I'm sure you will enjoy watching it. Again, I don't, a lot of people I talk to don't know about this film. And if you're one of those people, I implore you to give this a watch. I give this film an 8 out of 10. It is truly one of the best martial art films I've ever seen. And, um, yes, I am, I'm not going to lie. I definitely am, <laughs> I'm going to say it's called the Mr. Wu. But he is my favorite director, especially, well, he's my favorite Asian director for sure. And, you know, this is the part of the reason why, you know, the, the type of job he did with this film. And that's our show. I'm going to return soon, like I said, with five films to talk about, including the, I don't know what we're going to talk about, probably uh, Murder of the Murderer. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what we're going to talk about. I have I have some films lined up to talk about. But like I said, that's going to be up in a week or so from now. Uh, but until then, uh, as always, I want to thank you for listening and bye-bye.